Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the functional diagnostic nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. What is going on, my friends? And welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. And we are talking to FDN extraordinaire Nicole Ritter, and I call her that because she is someone that had a tremendous amount of success with the FDN system. In fact, in the first two years, basically, a little over two years after graduating the FDN course, Nicole took over... Uh, 200, I almost said 100, 200 clients in just two years, which is an insane amount. If you're doing that, you are doing quite well in the world of FDN. Uh, you're absolutely making a full-time living and then some, and you're helping, obviously, a lot of people. It's pretty amazing that she was able to do that. So today, we're going to be talking about not only her health story, because, of course, every FDN has one for the most part, but we're also going to be discussing the business success that she's had, a lot of the things that she's learned, some tricks that you guys can apply to working with your own clients, and these are things that can work for individuals, whether or not they are an FDN or whether or not they ever plan to become an FDN. If you're just a health professional that works with clients one-on-one -on -one and you're looking for some tips and tricks with the business side, we are going to discuss that today. Now, Nicole Ritter, she did not provide me with any full bio. We're actually just going to go into her credentials, and then we're going to start the episode. She is a certified holistic nutritionist, board-certified holistic health practitioner, certified FDN, of course, and she is currently obtaining her Master's of Science in Clinical Nutrition and Integrative Health. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Nicole is someone actually doing the work, knows what she's talking about. There is a lot to be learned here, both in terms of health and the business side. Without further ado, let's get to today's episode. All right. Hello, Nicole. Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. This is long overdue. Someone had actually asked for you by request at a conference I was at. They asked, hey, you know, are you ever thinking about bringing her on? Because I think they follow you on social. And um, I said, I almost feel like we've talked about this before. And then sure enough, um, Nicole and I were looking at like the Facebook Messenger chat and we had talked about it a year ago and things just, um, you know, they don't fall through sometimes. And then here we are. So I've here this little boy behind me. He is my <laughs> For those just on audio, um, because I know not everyone does the video side of this, um, Nicole is, I mean, that's how old is he? He's turning to December 3rd. Okay, so cool. So yeah, that's quite a, I'll give that as a valid excuse for not hopping on the podcast. <laughs> Believe it or not, this might not be the most important thing. But um, I'm excited to hear about your story today because Nicole and I have a, a work together. I mean, it's more than just FDN colleagues. You've been a part of FDN and stuff like that. Uh, but Nonetheless, we have a lot of people working with and for FDN, so you don't always know the stories and backgrounds of people, um, and I do not fully understand your story. So these are some of my favorite episodes where I get to talk to a fellow FDN whose story I'm not even sure of. So I want to start out with the same question that we typically do uh, start with on this show, and that is, what did your health journey look like? Because no one gets into this by accident. So I'm wondering, mm -hmm. when did your health symptoms start and what did they look like? 
Okay, this is really long. I'll make it a little short. Um, So I grew up really sick. Um, I was always like the sick child. I was, you know, cold, sinus infections, migraines that progressed into period problems, um, anxiety, and really bad depression. Um, And I was raised by a heart surgeon. My dad's a surgeon. My grandparents were doctors and antibiotics were always the answer. And as a mom now, you know, getting off topic, but when you're given antibiotics for your kid in that moment, if their kid is sick, you think that's, you're doing your best. So I don't, you know, I don't blame my parents. I always want to clear that up. Like they did the best they could and functional medicine wasn't a thing. You know, I'm 32 functional medicine. Wasn't, it's not, it wasn't popular. So my health journey really started when just I was chronically ill. It wasn't, you know, diagnosed with anything other than PCOS and migraines, but I literally had a sinus infection every month. Um, I would get strep throat. I had two sinus surgeries. I got my tonsils removed, my adenoids removed. And I will never forget my dad and I were driving a week after I got my tonsils removed and I had strep throat. And I was like, dad, I thought when I got my tonsils removed, like it was supposed to cure the strep throat. And he's like, no, like, let's just go get you antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really just like this spiral. And as we know now being FDNs, you know, when you have antibiotics that wipes out your good gut bacteria, I wasn't replenishing that. Sorry, my crazy dog. Um, It's all good. That should be fine. Okay, cool. Um, You know, I wasn't eating kimchi or sauerkraut. I wasn't taking probiotics. So it really just set the stage for illness. Um, Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, oh yeah, please. It's your show. Okay. Um, so it wasn't until about 2016 that I started to get interested in things other than medication. Um, I was on seven different medications. Um, I ended up actually being on steroids for my migraines. And then I had to give myself like steroid shots for my migraines. Um, it was a and I had I was engaged. It was supposed to be like the most amazing time in my life. And I was I was like a zombie, you know, when you're on that many medications, like you don't really have personality. You're just like Mm -hmm. going through the motions. Um, And my anxiety, my depression were so bad. I was actually in graduate school for mental health counseling um, at the time in 2016 and 2017. And I remember working with clients who were bipolar and schizophrenic. And I had such bad anxiety that I would throw up before meeting with them because I was like, Well, I didn't know what I was doing. I was still in school. I didn't know why I was working with these people. But I also just didn't know how to help them because I couldn't help myself. Um, And I felt like such a fraud. And I feel like in this industry, a lot of people who are chronically ill, they feel like they can't help people because they haven't like cured or solved their health problems, which is totally untrue. Like we're all on a journey. No, you can't achieve optimal health. Like it's, you know, if you go to Mexico and pick up a parasite, like you got to deal with that. Right. Um, So in 2017, I actually found black mold in our basement. It was like this thick. Um, And I don't know why. I think podcasts had just come out, but I Googled like what to do with mold. And I found this podcast called Learn True Health with Ashley James. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. She's really smart. Um, she's out of Canada and she interviews the most amazing, well-known, like world-renowned doctors, functional medicine practitioners, and she had an episode on mold. So as I was cleaning up the mold without a mask, without gloves, which you're not supposed to do, I was listening to this podcast and I was like, whoa, this is cool. There's like 
you can do like alternative health. Like that's a thing. Um, and I actually dropped out of grad school and enrolled in my first course with health coaching through Health Coach Institute. Um, and then from there, I just became obsessed with helping heal myself and <clears throat> helping others. Um, and fast forward, you know, five, five years, I'm on zero medications. I have my personality back. Um, I'm happy. And, you know, I think the most important part is I don't have debilitating depression anymore and I can actually like get out of the bed there were times where I was just like oh I'm just gonna be depressed and like live in bed all day um and that's not the case I don't have migraines my periods are normal I got pregnant which two doctors told me I couldn't get pregnant um because my periods were so bad and I had PCOS and it's just been such a long journey but I'm so grateful I'm here and you know that's really why I do the job I do because I I get it like I get how much it sucks to feel horrible every day and to not want to get out of bed and just like want to give up. And there's totally another side to it. Wow. It's always, it really, I don't think we'll ever get old hearing these um, stories, especially from FDNs. I mean, we go through some crazy stuff and then yeah. these people come out on the other side. And like, if I saw you walking down the street, right. I would just think, Oh, this is any normal, healthy looking 30 something, right? Like I would never think twice about you. And it's like all seven medications in America. Uh, think the average 65 year olds on like six different medications, which we already would think about as extremely high. And yet you were on seven. What age was that? I, I missed the timeline, I guess. Like I know it was younger than 32, obviously, but what age was it? I think I was 26. Wow. Yeah, 26. And that included like Claritin. I had really bad, you know, what I thought was allergies. Um, but it was really all, I can tie a lot of those symptoms to that house. Um, you know, with obviously, you, you know, about mold, mold is horrific for your health. And I was living in that house, our house for three years, I believe, and also eating gluten, like it was my job, soft pretzels were like a daily thing for me. Um, and I'm severely gluten intolerant. So a lot of those things I was able to just get off of, you know, within a couple months. Um, yeah, that did include like Advil and Claritin, which I took daily. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) Jeez. Um, well still, I mean, Advil, especially that's not really something anyone wants to be taking daily. That has some pretty serious consequences long-term. Um, with that said, though, so I want to rewind for a moment to this whole mold situation. You're listening to this podcast and then decide to drop out of grad school. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, and I feel like it might be even more. Did So the alternative health thing sounds like it was a totally new concept to you. It's something that you really hadn't previously thought of. I mean, I'm assuming it was more than just one podcast. Were you continuing to study? Were there other aspects of the grad school that you didn't like? How do you go from that? Because that's a pretty serious commitment to switching into online certifications, which I'm not lessening. Obviously, I love FDN. But the college-educated perspective, especially at that time, I feel like it's growing rapidly, but it might look down on something like this prior to the pandemic. So how did we really make that shift from one thing to the next? Yeah. And full disclosure, I'm currently in grad school for clinical nutrition and integrative health. I'm a psycho. I'm like always learning, but uh, (laughs) it was, it was really hard for me to, to drop out. Um, Coming from a family of doctors, like that's like one of the highest educations you can get, you know, that's eight to 12 years of education and clinics and rounds and whatever. Um, I had so much guilt and just like, I just felt like I was going to be judged. Um, 
But at the end of the day, I wasn't happy doing what I was doing. And my mom is a therapist and she's amazing. As you know, no one was pressuring me. It was my own pressure I was putting on myself. That's just, no one made me feel like that, but that's just how I felt. But my parents were so supportive. And, you know, my mom being a therapist, she's like, you have to be happy. Like, you don't, if you're in a career, like you spend most of your life working, like that's what you do from, you know, nine to five or eight to whatever, however long you work, like you have to love it. Um, so it was really hard, obviously not just one podcast. I wish, I mean, actually James really did truly save my life and I, I've, um, saved my life, changed my life. And I've messaged her. We've talked a lot. We actually enrolled in FDN at the same time. She was one of the reasons I enrolled in FDN because Reed was on her podcast. Um, but I kept listening to hers and then I found Dr. Mark Hyman, who I became obsessed with, um, my, I've, you know, I've messaged him on LinkedIn like 60 times. He's never messaged me back, but he is just <laughs> such an inspiration and seeing that he made the switch from MD traditional doctor to this functional medicine. That was really profound to me. Um, and really just like, you know, the support of my parents, my husband is, oh my gosh, the most amazing person in the world and so supportive and all he wants, I'm, I may cry, but all he wants for me like is to be happy and He's just been, I couldn't have done this without him. Um, and he really encouraged me to just go for it and and just do what I wanted to do. So while it was hard, I think the people in my life really made it easy because they were so supportive. Nice. Well, it's obviously worked out for you. So that's pretty darn cool. Um, <laughs> and this, I appreciate you helping me dissect that a little more because I knew it was more than just uh, one single podcast on mold. I mean, there's got to be a little more to it. So that makes sense. When you went through, I think, yeah, you already mentioned it. It was Health Coach Institute, correct? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, first of all, I always want to say this because we bring on practitioners from every different type of school that you guys can imagine. If you listen regularly, you know this. Obviously, we prioritize FDNs for clear reasons, but we still, we bring on all different types of practitioners. So it's never a one thing's bad, one thing's good. I'm just curious, what did that give you? Um, or what did it not give you rather? that led you to pursuing something like FDN eventually, because if you felt like you had everything that you needed, you wouldn't be pursuing something else. Yeah. So I am, I don't think any one certification will give us all we need um, because in order to do that, it would have to be like five years long. Right. (laughs) Um, So health coach Institute, while it was good, it taught me how to coach. I, it was kind of the same as grad school for mental health counseling. You're not doing anything super actionable, you're counting on these people to take control of their health and their actions, but you're not, you're giving them a little bit of a guideline, but you're very, very limited in what you can do with counseling or coaching because you don't have that raw data. So I, you know, I love data. I'm always going to run labs. And even back then I was, you know, running blood work because that I didn't know that like functional labs existed. That just wasn't a thing, but Whenever I go to a doctor, I'm like, well, why didn't you do a test? Why are you just giving me this migraine medication? Like, just because you're the pharma rep was just left. Like, I just saw him. Um, and that is why, right? So I was always obsessed with data. And that's one thing that's so missing in just coaching. Um, so I still, after that, I enrolled in Bowman College for their holistic nutritionist um, certification. And I did love that. I just love research. So we did a ton of research papers and really just digging into like mechanisms of action, like what causes a migraine, like what, what's the root cause, but it's still like there wasn't that concrete data. Um, So when I heard Reed on the 
the Learn True Health podcast. I was like, whoa, this guy sounds fun. First of all, I would love to learn from him. <laughs> and like, I love the fact that I think he said, like, you know, he's not a scientist, right? He's not a PhD. So even though like now I'm in grad school, it's very dry. And FDN is, while yes, it's amazing information. It's, it is scientific, right? It's all science backed. It's a little bit more fun to learn um, than a traditional like master's or doctorate program. Sure. So that's why I chose that. And I kept, and even after FDN, like, I will never forget, um, I won't say his name, but my advisor who, who like graded me on the last, um, the verbal, the final of FDN, he was like, what are your plans? What are your plans after this? Like you did great. And I was like, oh, I'm enrolling in grad school. And he was like, what, why you've done like a lot of certifications. Can you just stop? Like just start working with clients. And <clears throat> while I took his advice, I've worked with over 200 clients and I've only been an FDN for a little over two years. Um, and I've, you know, worked with a ton of clients, but I just love learning. And I, it, it's not like that something, someone else is making me get my master's, but I, I just, in this field, if we're not constantly learning and constantly evolving and changing our opinions too, like I do a lot of gut health stuff. We didn't know about the inner workings of our microbiome a hundred years ago. So what else don't we know? Right. Right. Um, and I think it's really important to not just get stuck and complacent in what we know um, and really just, you know, push ourselves to learn more because health changes like every single day and research changes. There's always new research. I, I love this perspective. Well, I love both these perspectives because one is, yes, we should keep learning. It's becomes a problem and this happens occasionally with certain FDNs and you might be an FDN listening to this. So you need to be honest with yourself. There are some that are the people that get 10, 20 certifications or different programs. They go through whatever, and they've never taken a single client. It's like you absolutely know enough to take clients. Now on the flip side, the best of the best FDNs, although I know a few that are actually incredibly successful and very impressive having just done FDN itself. And they, it's not that they don't keep learning, but they focused more just on learning business and stuff. Uh, I think that proves, by the way, how far the FDN system can take a person because we're talking uh, multi, multi six-figure businesses that are coming for people just from having the FDN cert and then business training on top of it. So it's not like they've gotten any additional health training. However, I think the most successful route is to add this as a tool to your tool belt. Go out with what you have. Come as you are. You know, like go do that thing and keep learning over time. That's really who's going to be in this space 10, 15, 20 years from now. Because that's the thing. You talked about it's it's kind of like a responsibility, in my opinion, in this space to continue learning because dogma usually is what allowed us, like people like us, to stay sick, uh, sick for lo- so long. It was people who are otherwise very well-meaning, great individuals, smart individuals, but they got so boxed into the things that they learned that when their box did not help us get fixed, oh, well, it must be us. We, we must be the problem. You're just too stressed out. You need to relax a little more. It's like, well, that, that's not true. And we don't want to be those people. We don't want to fall into the same dogma. So when someone calls me, even though at this point in my life, I really do believe um, you know, meat-based things are, are better for most people. I have people still to this day calling me that say, hey, I, I did this. I feel phenomenal on plant-based and I have a few lingering uh, symptoms. Now, could those lingering symptoms go away from a mix of meat? Sure. But who am I to tell someone 
that they didn't get better objectively and subjectively from changing to something that I don't really fully believe in at this point. That, that's not my place to do that. And um, and that's where we got to be kind of careful. And like you said, change your opinions over time. It can be really easy to find the thing that worked for us here, whether it's paleo, vegan, this lab test, that lab test, and say, oh, everyone needs this thing. And that is so rarely the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, guys, it is Detective Ev popping in here really quick. Just wanted to tell you about a new resource that we have where you can see the entire FDN curriculum before you actually go through the course. We know it's a big investment for people. We know it's a big time commitment. It's worth it if you are interested in it, but if you're someone that's not really sure, the last thing we'd ever want is for someone to pursue FDN if that's not what they wanted to do. So what you'd like to do then is go to fdntraining.com slash course. That's fdntraining.com slash course. And you can actually get a free download where we go over the entire course curriculum with you so you know exactly what you will and won't learn if you pursued FDN. That's fdntraining.com slash course. And now we're heading back to the episode. And I want to go back really quickly. If you just do FDN, that is more than most programs ever. It is, it's amazing. I, you know, and I'm not saying everyone needs to go off and get more certifications, but right. for me, I think I'm a lifelong student. And I just love it. Right. Like I love writing research papers. I'm weird, but I do agree with you. Changing your opinion is so important. Um, we talked about Jen Sino earlier, Jen and I about four years ago, we came out with a plant-based program called Plant Powered. <laughs> and now both of us are like, eat meat. Like we need to eat <laughs> red meat, right? If I had never changed my opinion, I, it would be lying, right? Because I'm, a, you know, I'm animal-based protein. Like that's what we eat. But it's just so important to keep researching. And, and it's not wrong that we did that, right? Like we didn't know what we didn't know. We both, we didn't have these advanced certifications. We were both, she was a personal trainer. I was a health coach at the time. Um, not FDN, but the the Health Coach Institute. So right. it's just funny how things evolve. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure you guys still helped plenty of people because the good news is it's good and bad. The system that we have, especially in America, and I, I feel like Canada is probably no better in terms of the food that we eat and the chemicals that we have in – I mean, you pretty much have to be dumb as a rock to not be able to help one of those people. So I'm sure you guys still uh, very much supported people, even with your plant-based uh, program. So no worries there whatsoever. And that's just, I appreciate the humility because that's what it is. You gotta, you can't go into this space with this dogmatic ego. That's not going to work out well here. Like just be willing to learn, admit when you're wrong. And I think that's just a great lesson in life in general. You know what I mean? Um, we get so defensive about like not knowing something. Anyone that knows me knows I'm the first person. And this was not always the case, to be clear. But I've developed this over time from like reading books that recommended this. Like if I don't know a word, how many times do like we not know a word that someone said and we're embarrassed to like ask about it? I'm so annoying with this now. If I don't know a word, even if I don't know like five in a single 10 minute conversation, I'll say, what does that mean? Okay, I looked that up real quick, right? Because I just who cares? You know, just you got to have that humility. And then um, you end up getting smarter than most people because you had the patience and humility to ask questions. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So with that said, I know we will specify later why the client thing is no longer something that you're offering right now. Uh, But I think there's a lesson to be learned or probably multiple, uh, multiple lessons to be learned in the fact that you worked with 200 clients in a fairly short period of time. Um, 
I'm thinking that there's many FDNs listening, whether they're in training or maybe just graduated. And they're thinking, wow, less than two years and she had already done 200 clients. That, that's a great number. I think that's a great number. How did you start to have that success once you graduated? Like, what were you doing? What was the strategy? I didn't have a strategy. Um, I was kind of like a throw paint at the wall and let's see if it's stuck. I I get all of my or I got all of my clients from Instagram and I had gotten a lot of referrals. Um, there were two therapists in Denver who I live in Denver who started referring me who I had never even met. Um, there's two well, one nurse practitioner in Denver who refers me once again, had never met her. She had just heard good things. And then there's a, a nurse practitioner in Massachusetts who refers me. Um, I've worked with family members and it's been over two years. So I graduated August, I think of 2019. So August would have been two years, but you know, when I was, I had already graduated with a nutritionist certification. Um, so as it wasn't like I was like building a business in 2019, my business had been being built since 2017. So while yes, I was only an FDN for like a little over two years the grind that I put in for those, like from 2017 to 2019, it was insane. I mean, you know, going to networking events, which oh, once COVID hit, I was, I just love people and I wanted to see them in person. Cause this is like, this is great, but being in person is just amazing. So I was yeah. so sad when all of like the networking events were canceled because I was just, I love them. Just being able to talk to people and, not that I had like a pitch, even though I should have had like an elevator pitch, but just explaining like how functional medicine changed my life and like what FDN can do for people. It's so powerful. Um, and when people can meet you and see you and know you, like know, like, and trust you, they were more willing to work with you. And I think that's why I was so successful because I showed up on my stories. So I had a lot of engagement. I was just it's, it looks really weird, right? Just being like, Hey guys, like, you know, looking at your phone, but I did it in my house. Um, that's something I actually really didn't like doing. I, I don't like having to show up on social media, but it's just part of the business. Um, and I was super consistent with showing up, sharing labs behind the scenes. I have a ton of client testimonials always was sharing those just like, you know, proof that what I'm doing is working and I'm helping people. Um, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> there's like a slight delay for those on audio. So this happens all the time. This delay is actually pretty generous. Um, sometimes it's so dramatic that, you know, you're having like these five second pauses, but no, please continue. <laughs> um, so yeah, the strategy was, you know, just show my face, let people know who I am. Um, I think trust is huge in this because, you know, we're asking people to hand us their credit card. Well, I don't take credit cards. Well, I do, but I just send them invoice. So like asking people to give us money and I don't guarantee, right? People are like, well, what's the guarantee? I'm like, nothing. I will teach you. I will show you what's wrong. We'll come up with a plan together. If you do the work, you'll feel better, but I can't control what's happening in their house. Like, and I, I'm not going to, I'm not like, you know, checking in on them every five seconds. It's I'm very upfront about like, Hey, this is you, you're investing in yourself. Like you have to do the work. No one can fix you. No, I took it upon myself to quote unquote, fix my issues. I didn't rely on anyone else. And I think that's the disconnect. People are so desperate 
to heal and feel better that they put all of their eggs in, you know, Evan's basket and they're like, Evan will fix me. No, you have to like take it upon yourself. And yes, Evan can teach you about these labs and about, you know, your blood work, like what's disconnected, like what are the inflammatory things? Like what do you have to reverse and how to do it? But Evan can't do that for you. Um, And I think just being honest with people about that's how it works is that's when you get good clients who will get good results, who will then refer you. Um, And in the beginning, I didn't say that. I'm like, yeah, we'll fix all your problems. Yay. Like, you know, and I had to really restructure and, and, you know, I I can't just say like, Hey, yes, we'll like uh, fix all your issues when I can't control these outside variables. Yeah, this is something great lesson for anyone who's in training. When you are getting on these calls is just to set those realistic expectations with people for what it is. Because, And I've said this a million times on this podcast. The journey of healing chronic issues, it's possible, it's fun, it's cool. But it is as much, if not more, a personal development journey than it is a health journey. If it was just a health journey, you could literally do this for someone in a two-hour session. You just record it for them. You give them all the recommendations. You tell them all the supplement stuff. And I'm not saying that'd be it'd be hard to learn all that in that session. I get it. But again, they could just go through the recording and say, all right, I do this next and then that. But that's not how it works. We end up working with people for three, six, nine, sometimes 12 months, depending on what the practitioner offers. You have complete customization with that as an FDN. But you wouldn't need half a year to do this if it was just purely educational. Oh, you go on your way. You have to become a different type of person to resist temptation around the holidays and to just decide that you're going to do things for yourself and not for other people. Um, I think you, especially if you're a yes person that says yes to everything, that's another big one you'll learn, right? It's just, I have to say yes for myself first. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to say yes for anyone out there because you can't uh, fill from a cup that's empty. That's not really how it works. So I think this is actually like gold for people that are starting out because yeah, of course, if they get on their first sales call, they'll say pretty much whatever um, to get this person to just like sign up and do it. Now we're not saying be unethical, but I'm saying we make unrealistic promises um, that maybe we do commit to, but that wasn't worth the money. And it wasn't really even fair to the client because it's not actually helping them. Is there uh, any other things or maybe just like a tip that sticks out from working with 200 people, what you might give advice wise to a new trainee? In regards to how to help them or how to... Yeah. Or just like, I mean, anything that comes to your mind, it could be the business side, health side, whatever. I think mindset on both ways is really important. The client mindset is really important, but also your own personal development journey, like you said, goes like, it's just so important. You have to be in a good mindset going into those. I I mean, I don't do discovery calls anymore, but when I did them, if I was in a bad mindset or was like, oh, I can't help this person or they seem too extreme or, you know, then they would, people can read energy, especially on Zoom, right? Um, So just being confident in what you can offer, knowing your offer in the beginning, I was just like, oh, you know, you could do three months, you could do six months, we could do this lab, like, what's your offer? Um, Offering, you know, one thing is, is there's so many different opinions on this, but I believe offering one thing is so much easier than presenting like three or four different offers and having them Hmm. pick they'll always pick the cheapest one, um, usually, depending on how you present it. So knowing your offer, being really confident, um, and sharing who you are, like people in this field, 
like you could go to any doctor under the sun, right? Like I just picked a new pediatrician based off the reviews on Google. If you don't have Google reviews, people are buying from you. They want to know, like, and trust you. So like where, like, if your Instagram is just like graphics and they don't know who you are, you're not showing up on stories. Why would they pick you over this other Instagram person who has a thousand more followers and the same exact graphics? Um, yeah. So I really think like be yourself because people buy from you in this industry rather than they buy from you. And also they buy the story, right? Like what, how are you helping them? Like where are they going to be in 60, 90, 180 days? Um, but you're the secret sauce. Like no one can be Evan. No one could be Nicole, you know, like you are the best part of your sales journey, I think. Yeah. And I, that's excellent advice. The whole being yourself thing, especially on social, because there's, if you were trying to be a celebrity, okay, yes, there's probably certain personalities that are more prone to doing that. You have to please an insane amount of people. Here's the good news. You're not trying to do that. You're trying to be a full-time FDN or maybe a health coach or someone functional oriented. That's why you're listening to this podcast. So chances are you only need a handful of clients. I mean, relatively small compared to the world's population at any given time to have a thriving business that helps you survive and do a lot more, even thrive. So with that said, it's like, you don't have to be the celebrity personality. You're better off being yourself online because there is someone else out there like you. And if you just show up as yourself, they'll relate to you. I actually, we were just talking about this today because I think you know I do this. I speak in schools for the mental health issues with like kids and stuff. And I watched, I won't, I won't say the name. I watched a speaker from the organization that I'm a part of when I was younger and first starting out because they the trainers basically send you to these things and they say, make sure you want to do this, right? And I'll be straight up, like, I was expecting like Tony Robbins type of things, right? To get into these schools and do this stuff. And I watched this presenter and I, I'm not being rude to him. I have another side to this. He was not good. Like in terms of technical skill of presenting, it was actually like really one of like the bottom 10% presentations I've ever seen. But, but we are there talking about mental health. We are increasing mental health awareness and we are trying to reduce the stigma and encourage kids to ask for help. He had an audience of about 400 kids. He spoke for 40 minutes. When I say 50 kids were in a line to talk to him afterwards, I mean like literally 50 kids and I might be underestimating. So how did that happen? It's because what he did is get up there. He was real as can be. He was vulnerable. And I think subconsciously he related to a lot of kids because they're like, well, if I had to do that, oh my God, I'd be so nervous talking about this stuff up there too. And so don't think that you need to be the talk show host or podcast host personality to get clients. That that's ridiculous. In fact, um, Sometimes those personalities, like I know for myself, uh, you seem, I, I haven't met you in person, obviously, but you seem quite extroverted too, the way you described, like, you got to go see the people. That can be too much for the average introvert. They don't want to work with people like us. They want someone that um, is a little calmer and gets them more. So just go out there, be yourself, be authentic. That's the real word here. And you will attract people who are very similar to you and that need your work and services. And it's kind of a beautiful thing. It works out great. Yeah. And I think, and I love that. I want to know about the, um, the charity you work. Is it a charity, right? It's a, it's a nonprofit I'm associated with. It's called Minding Your Mind. Okay, cool. I want to talk to you about that later, but after the podcast, um, but it's, I mean, it's true. And if you try to please everyone, you'll end up working with people that you really don't want to work with, which had my fair share. I'm just like, oh yeah, like I would like more money this month. I'll take on these people. And I think the more, 
and I was not good at niching down because I, you know, I, I don't think I sounds bad, but I don't think I really had to be. I was still successful, not super, super niche down, but the people who are way more successful than me niche down. And I think everyone says that, you know, um, Kendra, what is Kendra's last name? Perry. Kendra Perry. She has a really good coaching program and she's always like, you need to niche down. She's amazing. If you don't know how to get your niche, go to Kendra Perry. Um, this is not a sales pitch for her. I don't get anything out of this. I just think she's amazing. Um, but the people who niche down, like that's, you know, if you know exactly who you want to work with, only speak to those people, right? If you only want to work with people who are constipated, only talk about not pooping, right? <laughs> like that's all you would talk about. And it's actually pretty easy to make content and talk about one thing because you don't have to be an expert on 6,000 things. You have to be an expert on one thing. Yes. Yeah. And this is, I, uh, Nicole, I've only really learned about like the marketing side of business over the last two years. I was big into sales, leadership stuff, and that's cool, but I was completely missing the marketing uh, part of this. And I learned a lot through FDN. And this whole concept of you have to speak to someone, otherwise you speak to no one. Yeah. Um, and what that means is what Nicole just described. It's finding that person. And listen, there's, there's times and place for this in businesses. Um, I don't think it's as universal. However, in what we're talking about here today for the coaching, it's as true as true can be. You need to figure out who you're talking to and you know unique struggles of the person that you're talking to because you've probably been through those things. Mm -hmm. I know for me with um, having dealt with severe cystic acne, what I can do in sales copy then, right? And in marketing uh, material, I can get into their head. And this is not a manipulative thing. It's to let them know that you actually get them because you can serve them. I know that people with acne check their face in the mirror 100, if not 200 times a day obsessively just to look at the same thing that they looked at 30 seconds ago. That is a unique experience to people with cystic acne or perhaps other skin issues as well on the face. But I would literally do this 200 times a day. And you're looking at the same damn thing you just saw, but it's this obsessive thing that happens, right? Um, You might, if it's cystic acne, it might be painful, right? And I'm not trying to get too graphic for someone who hasn't dealt with it, but that's the exact point. You might not relate to that at all. The person that deals with that, every time I check another box, we build that trust. They realize I can help them, which is which is true. And then they're happy to hand over their money. It's an ethical business transaction. You make money, they got better. That's a great way to do business. <laughs> right. And then sharing your story, I think too, like I think a lot of people are just afraid. And I was always very open about my depression, PCOS, I don't want to call it infertility journey, but my fertility journey, um, you know, how doctors treated me. I, I did a series on like literally what doctors said to me and it was kind of a joke and it blew up and people like would message me and be like, wow, like that, I didn't know other people went through that. Like I had the same experience and connecting on that human level. And then it's not just a transaction, right? It's like, while well, you understand me, you can be empathetic, sympathetic, she gets it because she's been there. And I think, I think it's different in this business because it a lot, if you're like a CEO of, I don't know, my husband works for Salesforce. If you're the CEO of Salesforce, you're not going to be like, this is my journey because like no one cares. They're buying software, right? In this journey or in this business, the more vulnerable you are, the more real you are, the more people connect with you. And then they see you as a person. And a lot of my clients I'll sh- like on calls, I'll, I'll share. They'll be like, Oh my gosh, this happened, blah, blah. blah. And I'll be like, if, if they're having a bad day or they're like, Oh, it's not going to work out. I'll be like, no, that happened to me. Like <laughs> literally. And I obviously don't make it up. If it didn't happen to you, like, don't say that, but most <laughs> of the time, you know, I've been through a lot of things and I've done every single test. So I've 
you know, I've had parasites, Lyme, like everything. And if a client's like, oh my gosh, no, a parasite, I'm like, dude, I just went to Mexico, came back with Jardia. It's raging on my GI map. We're going to get this done together. Like we're doing it. Not Jardia, sorry, something else. I can't even remember now. But anyway, share the story, make them feel seen and heard. And it's just like, it's a win-win, right? Because it's kind of like cathartic to like express that. Like, you know, I went through this and I'm on the other side. And then they see you as like an inspiration. Like, wow, she went through it. She did the work and it's possible to be on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. This is so cool. I like that. I like when these... um kind of transition into a business podcast as well, especially with someone who can really give legitimate advice to our practitioners because they got the one of the best systems in the world. If they go through this program, you guys can help other people. And, you know, we have practitioners. I almost don't even say this sometimes because I feel like it overwhelms people, but there's practitioners out there making half a million dollars a year, guys, and they're not even working more than 40, 45 hours a week. And then there's other practitioners who, again, have those 10 certifications and they barely take it on two clients. Um, right. And I'm not condemning the person who's only taken on two clients, but I'm trying to wake you up out of it and make you realize you have more than enough to serve other people. You don't get to the half a million a year mark without helping some people along the way. You can only get through uh, scamming people and doing BS for so long before it catches up to you. So you have a program that can help. Um, we have a bunch of tips. We have AFDNP. We got every resource in the world to help you with the business side. So make sure you're going out there and actually sharing this message and mm -hmm. letting people know that you offer what you offer. I want to kind of, I guess, go back to something that I probably should have asked before, but it's when you went through the FDN program, um, did, what did you find on the labs that we provide to our practitioners as they go through the course? Were, because you, I know that you were probably in a much better spot than when you started by then, especially you just seem like a very disciplined, regimented person, but I'm sure there was something to learn. So what did you find on the labs, if you recall, when you went through FDN? So I was in a very unique position because I found out I was pregnant um, oh. right when I got the labs back and I was too afraid to look at them. Um, this was back when we did the biohealth lab. Mm. So the one thing I do remember was that my progesterone was so low and I was like, wait, I'm pregnant. Uh, that should not be that low. So I ended up taking progesterone in the beginning of my pregnancy because okay. I did not want to have low progesterone. Um, but I don't even, I don't think I did the GI map back then. Um, I think the biohealth, like the Indica, the urine, whatever that was, um, the BH 101. Yeah. You remember the name? <laughs> yes. Which would be, yeah, I'm weird. Um, at this point <laughs> yeah. it would be, uh, uh, the, for those listening now, the fluids IQ metabolic wellness panel would be the somewhat equivalent of the biohealth 101, just for those listening that might not know it'd be the similar thing. Yeah, so I I really just remember the hormone panel because honestly I was I was really scared during my pregnancy. Um I had actually one of my friends from home had miscarried at 7 months, not miscarried, but she, it was very tragic and she ended up having to like have the baby. Um and it didn't live and it was like the most and it was beginning of COVID, so I was terrified during my pregnancy. Um, and I know, you know, stress makes everything worse. And I had a therapist I met with, I think like two times a week virtually. I was like, I'm so stressed. I, you know, I want to have this baby. I'm so worried. And she was like, don't look at labs right now. Like, but I redid, I mean, I did everything after I had a baby. Um, GI map was pretty bad. So, you know, 
really low secretory IgA. So my gut immune system was suppressed, really low beneficial bacteria. Like it's as if I hadn't ever eaten a vegetable in my life. Um, I didn't have parasites after I had the baby, but I, I just redid a GI map. I love testing. I, I try to do them like every six months, which is not necessary. I just love them. Um, and I had two parasites, which I have to find them. I'll, I'll message you after. I can't even, I look at so many GI maps. I like can't even remember what people have. They all blend together. <laughs> <laughs> no, not for clients. Cause I do detailed report of findings and protocols, but yes, when I'm just like talking about it, they do, but addressing that. And then, um, something recently that I found out, um, Becca Kyle, I'm friends with, she's an FDN. I love her. She posted that she had Lyme and I was like, "Mm, that's something I've never tested for. Like, why not just order a Lyme test? So I did. Um, and it came back with both Bartonella, Babesia, and then Toxoplasmic Gondii, which is a cat parasite, which is like horrific. Um, which can cause toxoplasmosis, which is actually like horrific for people pregnant, um, which is why pregnant women aren't supposed to scoop up cat poop, but I don't have a cat. So that was confusing. Um, so yeah, it's so interesting when clients are like, you know, not woe is me, but like it, it can be overwhelming when you're not used to getting these functional labs and all these results that can be like, Oh my gosh, I have so much to deal with. And I'm like, same dude, like, it's okay. You know? This is, as Reed says, it's healing opportunities. Like if we don't know this information, we can't correct and we can't heal. Um, So it's better to know everything. And I'm one of those people that I'm just like, okay, let's order it. You know, I love all the labs. Like I've done all of them. Like I said, um, my oat was anything but normal organic acid tests. Candida came up on that one a couple months ago, um, but not on the GI map, interestingly. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you name it, (laughs) I probably dealt with it. I would try, I feel like I'd end up, and, and I have some training in the oat. I feel like I would trust the GI map at this point for candida more than the oat considering, I mean, the oat's not even really diagnostic in a, in a sense, you know what I mean? Like it could be implicated with other things when a certain marker comes back. So that'd be an interesting one. That's, there's a lot to that. Wait, that's a loaded statement for me. Yeah. I was about to say, I mean, that's a little loaded, but sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the GI map, it's, it's the DNA assay. So it's like, it's actually, you know, it's testing the DNA of the microorganisms in your stool. Candida is very tricky as, as are all pathogens, right? They're hidden by biofilms, which if you, if you know, they're hidden, the biofilm I like to um, describe to people as like the force field in star Wars, right? Like it's like when they do the like invisibility cloak in, in Harry Potter or star Wars. Um, so that's if the DNA that's the GI map, right? The DNA, um, the organic acids is it's the urinary metabolite. So it's like the byproducts of things that happen in our body. Um, so while no, it's not diagnostic, it is a really good indication of whether there's mold colonization or fungus and yeast. And I see a lot of clinical correlation with candida and the organic acid test. Um, and even with me too, like at that time I was, I was craving sweets all the time. And I was just like, Oh, I have candida. And normally like you don't have to just test all these things. I'm not encouraging you to do testing every six months that gets expensive, but I, I like to collect data, right. I like to, you know, I just, that's, I'm a data person. Um, so I could, you know, I could clinically correlate that with my symptoms. Okay, great. I dealt with candida. Don't crave sweets anymore, which is very interesting. And I was having really bad brain fog. 
Oops, sorry. We disconnected there for a second. And what you were talking about um, was how we had the brain fog with the candida. That was at least the last part that I could hear. So there was this clinical correlation and then... Right. So it's always, you know, as FDNs, it's always really important to, we're not just reading the labs. We're not diagnosing the labs. We're not like, you aren't a lab. Like I'm not my oat test. So we always clinically correlate and look at the big picture. And at that time I was craving sweets. I had brain fog. I had, you know, I was having trouble sleeping and doctors will tell you, oh, you're just a new mom. Your baby's not sleeping. And I'm like, "Mm, no, that's not a good answer. Um, so that's how, you know, that's how I use the oat and I love it for mold. Um, I use it a lot for mold cause I do see a lot of mold in my clients. Um, and then the mycotoxins as well, if there is mold. So yes, there's different, you know, no test in my opinion is, is to be used to diagnose cause that's not what we do. Um, it's not helpful, but I think the oat has a time and a place, especially when people aren't getting better, right? If, if you don't see candida on the GI map and they have all the candida symptoms, you may do the candida spit test and it comes up positive. You may want to dig deeper just to see if there is fungal overgrowth. Yeah. And I actually appreciate that explanation because honestly, my statement, I'm just being serious. It might've been misleading for the people <laughs> listening. Well, because what I was trying to get at was the fact that when you run an oat, if there's something there, it's going to show it, but it's not like the markers on that don't always, it's not a one for one. Like there's more to it when you get a high marker back, you got to really like kind of think about it and clinically correlate, like you said, as opposed to the GI map, where if we see candida, okay, well, it's probably there. Although they say themselves, they do miss it. I think five to 10% of the time on that test. So I was just going off like statistics, but with the clinical correlation also put into the context here, I mean, that just, that makes total sense, right? So obviously that is one of those cases where it was totally beneficial to run both at the same time because of what you found. I actually just did a thing where um, I had, it was like friend, family, friend, clients coming in. And basically what happened is I had the one, um, part of one person in the couple do a GI map and the one person do the, Oh, just because money was, you know, we're trying to keep it um, like a little tight. And so I was like, all right, well I'll have one do this and one do the other. And then of course I'm seeing like certain things that might be more indicative of mold on the oat. Um, I saw like H pylori and stuff on the GI map. And this is not something I would necessarily recommend to other people, but this was a family friend situation. They knew that it's not perfect. You can kind of infer certain things. If people have been dating for years and years and years and they're loyal to each other and one has H pylori, okay, probably a good chance the other one's not doing so hot with H pylori. Um, And then similarly, if I can see that one was exposed to mold on the oat and they've been living together for eight years, okay, like, again, not perfect, but probably can use my head there to think that most or both of them have been um, exposed. So kind of, it's interesting how you can use these things at the right times as you progress in your uh, career as an FDN or just health coach in general that utilizes lab testing. So um, I appreciate you doing the differences for us there. Uh, I had one other thing. Yeah, please. Oh, I just said, of course, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, 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 I thought you said, oh, I have one other thing. Um, I had one other thing, that's for sure. And our little cutoff, I might edit this part out. And if you're listening to this and you know, I did not edit it out. So I was being transparent with you guys. <laughs> um Well, how about this? While I'm thinking about that, I know one question we definitely need to end on is the fact that, so what do you offer now? Because I understand that um, you're in an, and this is a great thing for Nicole, but you're not in a position at this exact moment where you're taking on direct one-on-one clients. So what do you offer now and where can people find that? So I am huge on education. I will always be, you know, 
educating people. So you can find me um, on Instagram, Nicole Ritter Health. Um, I do have two courses that I offer. One is for the business side of things called Automate Your Wellness Biz. And then for the client side of things called Minerals and Metabolism. So it's a base course to teach you the foundations of health. Um, you know, it's basically dress for health success for like to guide them through that because I think that's one thing that is missed. Like people are like, oh, these labs are going to cure me, right? No, you have to eat correctly. You have to rest. You have to exercise. You have to do stress reduction. You have to have a good mindset. So it's really like the foundational course that you can take to make all those changes, like swip, you know, learn about toxins, learn about oxalates, learn about like lectins, like all of these different things that if you don't know what those are, go get the course because you'll learn. <laughs> um, but about all these things that we're not taught in school, unless we spend, you know, thousands of dollars on a certification. Um, and then you can't work with me directly one-on-one right now. Um, I did join one of my best friends, Jen Sino. I joined her team. Um, like I said earlier, she gave, she presented me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I am her lead practitioner at her, um, it's called Fit and Functional is her business. Um, and I am the clinical advisor there as well. So I mentor all the new coaches. I'm in charge of hiring them, onboarding them. So we will be hiring a lot in the new year. So if you are a practitioner and you are really good at your job and you want to um, work for someone else and ditch the marketing, reach out to me and um, we can do an interview. So cool. And then, oh my gosh, this is so just, I think it's <laughs> such a great time to be an FDN because even when you originally graduated, Nicole, I was 2017 myself and I can't even imagine before that the only possible route was to pursue this as your own business, which I still encourage. I think it's a cool thing, right. but there are constantly now more and more opportunities where there are really great jobs opening up for FDNs. I see like every other week in the AFDNP group, someone's posting for a job listing of like starting at $75 an hour. I'm like, are you kidding yeah. me for going into doing an eight, nine month program, which yes, is going to be tough. But I mean, compared to most things that would warrant that type of pay per hour. I mean, good luck finding it. That's just, that's not going to be a thing for most people. So that's really, it's just a cool time. And that's awesome to see what uh, Jen has done and that what you're doing with Jen. I think that's a hell of a team there. So we had Jen on as well, by the way, if you guys didn't know, I will put her podcast in the show notes below. With that said, we're going to finish up on, oh wait, where can, do we say where people can find that? Yeah, on Instagram. Or I mean, you can okay, email yes, you did. You're right. message me on Instagram which of course will be in the show notes as well. Uh, the final question then for you today, because actually with this time combined with our other recording, we're definitely over our 50 minute mark. It's the signature question on the health detective podcast. One of my favorites. If I could give Nicole in this case, a magic wand and you could wave it and get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that's you actually get them to start doing one thing, or you could get them to stop doing one thing. What is the one thing Nicole would get them to do? Be open to changing their opinion and open to learning. It's two things. Cool. I think that is the okay, first time that has ever been said. Yeah. Oh, no, this is perfect. It's just amazing to me that something you'd think is so simple, but 200 episodes and not one person has said that as their number one thing yet. And I fully support this message. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on today. Of course. Thank you so much. This was so fun. All right, guys, that'll do it for today's episode with Nicole Ritter. I hope you guys enjoyed it. She is someone who I ended up talking to for over an hour after the podcast. I'm like, do you realize we have a whole second podcast here? <laughs> um, just really personable individual, awesome 
person. I, I cannot stress enough that you guys got to go follow her, check out her content, um, and just you know shoot her a DM. Let her know that you loved the podcast if you did, in fact, love it and are listening to this point. I'm assuming that you liked it. I, I think the guests really appreciate that. She came on with no intention of offering anything. I literally had to pull it out of her before we started. I'm like, no, no, no. I always want you to be able to talk about the business stuff in that the things that you do, because if you're coming on the show and giving value, there's no problem with offering something at the end. And she wasn't even planning on doing that. So there's just a lot to be said about that. Please go shout her out and uh, just thank her for coming on. I'd greatly appreciate it. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again soon, but until then, take care.